Welcome to Vineyard Hopkinton. As we follow Jesus together, we experience the Holy Spirit, create a multicultural community, and pursue kingdom of God justice. But we're, we're in this series on the book of Romans. Um, there's maybe no more influential book of theology than the book of Romans. Um, and we've had a great three weeks working through it. I want us to actually start with a quick video recap of where we've been in this series and what we've covered so far. So if you want to play that real quick. That this unity will come from a commitment to love and forgive each other. Love will look like everybody using their diverse gifts and talents to serve one another in the church. And it will also mean humility and forgiveness. When these different ethnic groups and cultures come together in Jesus, conflict is inevitable. And it can only be overcome through the hard work of forgiveness and reconciliation. This is how they will show the greatest of Christian virtues, love which fulfills the Torah's greatest commands to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. In chapters 14 and 15, he focuses specifically on the issues that are creating ethnic divisions in the Roman church. These are disputes about the Jewish food laws and the Sabbath. And Paul says these practices don't define who's in or out of Jesus's family. And if people differ over these culturally important but non-essential issues, they need to learn how to respect each other's differences. And it's in this way that love will heal and unify Jesus's family. Great. Um, so that's a little about, about where we've been in the last couple of weeks. We've gone over. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 12 today, which is just a really, really great chapter of scripture. Um, and in it, uh, we're told that we're to take all of our life, our sleeping, our eating, working, texting, driving, not together, uh, homework, all of our life and give it to the Lord. Allow him to be the number one influencer in our life, to not become accustomed to how things are that we just fit in without even thinking about it, but to let God transform and change us. Uh, we're, we're told here, don't let yourselves be squeezed into the shape dictated by this present age. Uh, a lot has come out in the last couple of weeks. Um, probably most of you have heard about the whistleblower on Facebook and some stuff about how Facebook is using artificial intelligence and these algorithms to influence us, to create us into the shape that is mo best for their, their profit models of divided, offended, how it's, how it's shaped society. Even if you're not actually on Facebook, it has shaped society enough by creating these divisions. Um, it's very scary stuff that we are being shaped and influenced and conformed by uh, social media. The Anglican priest William Ng said, whoever is married to the spirit of this age will be a widow in the next. If you are married to what is popular, what is trending in 2021, you're going to have to go through the whole dating process and figure this all out again in 2025, which sounds like a lot of work to me. If you are married to, to politics, you know, I read a, uh, a study saying that people would rather be married to someone of a different religion than a different political persuasion, which is kind of mind-blowing to me, right? That we would rather disagree about what's happening here and now than disagree about, or, and yeah, different religion is easier than different politics. Like, it's kind of crazy because 
I mean, I say this hoping long life for all of our political leaders, but Biden and Trump will both be dead relatively soon in the big scheme of things. We want to be following Jesus first and foremost. Um, I think many of you are probably aware of the um, example, corporate example of Blockbuster Video. Who here spent many Friday nights or Saturday nights in Blockbuster Video? Those were the good days. And they were more dedicated to VHS than DVDs, maybe a little bit of Blu-rays towards the end. They were more dedicated to that model than they were to entertainment. Netflix has done pretty well corporately, financially, by being dedicated to entertainment. They were married to the spirit of the age, and they have uh, become bankrupt in, in this age. You know, from shoulder pads to beanie babies, things come and go. And I'm not hating. I, I had the pogs. I had the moon, mood rings. I had those little troll dolls with the hair that stuck straight up and were so ugly. I thought they were cute. Hey, you've got to waste your parents' money on something, right? Somewhere out there, there's a guy who had like 200 Tamagotchis. Does anyone know who, what Tamagotchis are? Those little like fake pets that you could push a button and it fed it, right? Who invested in these things thinking, oh, these are going to be valuable one day. I don't know what the next old thing is. Poppets are popular. Uh, I don't know what the next old thing is, but I know it's something that's popular right now. We don't want to be conformed to this world. We want to be transformed. We want to hold on to those things which are lasting and valuable and eternal. Jesus holds the power of actual transformation. Reacting, counteracting, opposing uh, defense, those are all worldly things. Mirror images of what we're seeing. Transformation is entirely a Jesus thing. We're, we're not looking for the opposites. We're looking for the best. Uh, and we won't be squeezed into the shape dictated by this world. Jesus holds out something lasting for us, something transformational. Jesus holds out love for us. And that's what we want to lean into today. So let's pray, and then we're going to read our scripture together. Jesus, we give you our attention as we turn to your word. Jesus, would you really shape our hearts? with something lasting and true from your word. These words written uh, over 2,000 years ago were written not just for the original audience, but for us throughout the ages who have heard and done our best to live into what you're calling us to. So we give you our hearts today. Would we hear your call speaking to us in your word? Would we hear and respond? We say yes to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 16. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, because of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing. This is what true worship is, is offering yourself to God. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, pleasing will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, 
Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, my hand does not do the same function as my lungs, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is in giving, then give generously. If it is in leading, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. We all have a different job to do. We do it together, just as our body has different functions. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Be hospitable to one another. Bless those who persecute you. Bless do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not think you are better than you are. Amen. Well, this is a really beautiful passage, and we are told again and again through Scripture um, that the key to it all, how we get to see God's kingdom come, how we get to see Jesus like the, the best is to love one another well in community. And we're told this again and again because we really don't believe it. We look at the, the early church examples of them praying together and reading scripture together and sharing meals together and we say, mm, that sounds very formational. Oh, what a nice potluck. How fun. It wasn't. It was a radical act of transforming society when they got together. It was a like subversive social uh, transformation that made the neighbors nervous and the leaders angry. It was a radical coming together. He says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Smash out of the divisions and barriers. Do things differently. Be humble. Serve. Go above and beyond. Love people. If people say bad things about you behind your back, do not respond. You know, honor the Jewish or Gentile person next to you who's very different from you. Bless those who persecute you. The church is God's idea. It wasn't a human being's idea. Many of us would say like, whoo, this is, uh, it's a little messy. It's a little rough. Are you sure you want to be going this direction, God? What we do in the church is living out Jesus's teachings. Like Romans tells us, bless those who persecute you. Sounds exactly like what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Bless those who curse you. Uh, he says, um, as he's talking about what you guys are supposed to be doing in church, what you're supposed to do, do not repay anyone evil for evil. 
just what Jesus said. Uh, do not resist um, those who are doing our, Like our life in the church is living out Jesus's teachings. Jesus told us to do the stuff. And then in the church, we get to do it. Jesus's words remain only words unless we put it into practice. If Jesus's words matter, then the church matters. And the fact that it's difficult and messy, not always quote unquote successful, actually just shows us how much we need it. Life is a school for love and the church gets to be our main classroom. You know, so often when we see that things are not going well, when we see mess, when we see conflict or, or a division, we're like, oh, well, that proves the whole model. Or like, you know, we throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, Carrie Newhoff's a, a Christian leader. Um, and he talks about this a lot, that we'll see, we'll see problems, and we think that the, the problem is, is the church. Um, he says the fact that Christ uses flawed people to accomplish his work on earth is actually a sign of his grace, not a sign of his absence. The church gives the world a front row seat to the grace of God. Our failures only confirm our need for saving. Uh, our messiness only shows God's grace. And you can't be transformed without community. You really can't. We need other people talking, speaking into our life. We need other people to, to practice hospitality love. We, we need other people for transformation to actually work. And this will require some humility. As uh, we, we read here, I think humility is seeing, is seeing you and me both in light of God's love and God's grace. You have weaknesses, I have weaknesses. You have failures, I have failures. You are made in the image of God with the divine spark. I'm made in the image of God with the divine spark. And when we see others in humility, I think we really, we see the best in other people. I think if we really are, um, are living in humility with other people, we're just regularly noticing the good things about other people. Like train yourself to see the good in other people, to be intentional, because otherwise you just get so negative and critical so fast. Train yourself to see the good in other people. I think of... Um, one of the pastors I know uh, in Connecticut, very successful, has a, has a large church, doing very well. Um, I worked with him on a number of projects when we were in Connecticut, and um, I've just never heard him say a bad word about anyone else. And we worked on some large projects that get, got messy with some people who were not carrying their weight. I mean, he had th negative things he could have said, and I never heard him say a bad word about anyone else. Be working with someone who's just like, oh, well, you know, he really cares. I just really appreciate how he cares for his, always calling out and noticing and recognizing the good. Um, through my 20s, I would lead these uh, cultural exchange trips to China. So we'd take like 20 U.S. college students and pair them up with 20 Chinese college students. And we'd do it in English. And there's a whole, like, they learned about Chinese culture. And it was very immersive. And it was, it was a great experience. But I would take the groups. I would meet them in Beijing. Then take them a long train ride across. And you really get to know people by the end of this experience. Like, I had one girl, and she would get lonely for, you know, it's eight weeks and everything. She would get lonely, and she would just tell stories from friends nonstop what happened on friends. I had another girl, we, it's a long train ride. She refused to use the bathroom for like 36 hours on the train. But, like, you get to know people real well. 
So what I would do after the end of these eight weeks is we'd be in Beijing and I'd do an affirmation circle. And this is my favorite part of the trip where we'd sit and one person would be like in the hot seat and you'd say good things that you had noticed about them from this whole intense experience together. Like, I really noticed how you cared for people. I, your commitment to honesty, I really appreciated that. And the last one I, I led, um, it was a very difficult trip. We had a lot of conflict. We had people who actually just up and left. They, they went and found a, a hostel and just stayed there for a while and then came back, which was unprecedented. It was a tough trip. And uh, I, I got them back to Beijing. It's like, well, let's have this affirmation circle. And we start like calling out the true, good, real things about people. And you know what I heard? You're a very nice person. Someone said about the, the people who, who left and then, then came back who were older, you were like parents to me. I was like, what? What? No, like they were just like really like shallow or like bordering on not 100% true affirmations. And it made me so sad because there was plenty of good to see and they couldn't see it. And that was my light bulb moment when I realized what had been wrong the entire trip. I was like, well, here's our problem. I didn't realize it until the end. See the good in each other. Call out the good in each other. Um, I'll recommend this to, to people in a tough relationship, sometimes with a spouse or with you know, teenage kids or something. Like at the end of the day, write down four or five good things about the other person. Because they're probably like 18. We just, we want to train ourselves to see the good, to recognize the good in other people. But then, so humility sees the good in other people. Um, and then humility for ourselves. I think humility uh, with ourselves is often expressed in vulnerability. When we can just be open and real about the good things, about the hard things, when we can just be vulnerable, I think that's such a good way to be uh, humble. David Benner says, love is transformational only when it is received in vulnerability. Got to be vulnerable to really see, like, oh, you're just the best. I know I am. Love doesn't work quite the same way like that. When we are humble with others, when we risk being loved, when we love others well, it really builds up the best in us, allowing ourselves to be loved unconditionally, you know, all of our, our flaws, all of our hopes and dreams just, just out there can be risky, it can be vulnerable, but it really is the heart of like psychological and spiritual growth. Paul says all that matters, somewhere else in uh, Corinthians, all that matters is faith expressing itself in love faith expressing itself in love. We believe that Jesus came to earth, lived as a human being with us, then took on the worst that we have to deal with in the cross, took on pain and loneliness, rejection, um, the oppression of a very broken criminal justice system, took on all the worst in the cross. And through his resurrection leads us into a better place, leads us into new life. It leads us into resurrection life. He has forgiven us. He has set us free. He has made a new way for us to live. When we have faith in that, we can live in a new way. We can live in love. We can live in humility, vulnerability, loving each other well together in community despite differences. And that really is the heart of what of what Paul wants as he writes to this church in Rome. He's like, guys, 
Guys, there's so much good stuff for you. Lay down your pride. Lay down wanting to get this or that. Love each other well in community. Let's take a quick look, though, at chapter 13. Because in chapter 13, he goes on what seems like a little bit of a tangent. So he said, he said you know, um, don't be conformed to this world. You know, humbly serve each other, love each other well together in community. And then he says, let everyone submit to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever rebels against the authorities is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers aren't going to, you know, terrorize you if you do what's right. They will punish you if you do what's wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will not be condemned. For the one in authority is God's servant for your own good. If you do what's wrong, well, then you should be afraid of the, of the rulers. For, you, for uh, governing authorities are God's servants, agents uh, to bring punishment and consequences on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of your conscience. This is why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing, Give to everyone what you owe. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then pay respect to those who it is due. If it is honor, then honor those for whom you are to honor. So why, why do we then start talking about the government? Why is he going to talk about the government? And doesn't he know how not good the Roman government is? What is going on here? Well, I think one of the first ways that we can think, okay, I'm not going to fit into the box of this world. I'm going to be different. Ah, you know what? I'll be different. I will not conform to the government. I'll be an anarchist. And really, Paul is like, no. We are part of a transformational community, the church. We are going to submit to the government. The theologian N.T. Wright says that um, he lays it out well. He says, Christians um, who were regarded as the scum of the earth in Rome at the time. No, we don't use that phrase very often, scum of the earth. Um, we must not, they must not get an additional reputation as Antichrist. Basically, guys, things are bad enough for you already. Jesus is Lord. Don't pick unnecessary quarrels with lesser lords. We know Jesus is in charge. Okay, relax. Calm down on the government front. The church is a revolutionary community, but not in the typical ways of worldly violent revolt. If you go down that path, um, they would almost certainly lose, and much worse, the gospel would lose with them. He's saying, we invest in the kingdom of God, we submit to the government. The kingdom of God is where lasting transformation comes from. We put all our eggs in that basket. We don't need to smash the eggs in the other basket. Romans 13 is about power, the power of God, which we invest in in the church, and the lesser power of the government, which we submit to. Esau McCulley is a great uh, theologian and author, um, and he talks about how Romans 13 really is about the resurrection being true, that we believe that Jesus has done what he said he will do, 
And therefore, we follow the government, we submit to the, the government. If the resurrection is true, we stake our entire existence on it. And our peaceful witness testifies to a new way of, human, of being human that transcends the endless cycles of human violence. Like Ro Paul in Romans, he, he talks about in Romans 9, uh, Pharaoh getting overthrown because Pharaoh was not a, a godly leader. Um, and he talks about really the, the sovereignty of God and the limits of human d discernment. And I think this is what's crucial in this passage is that it's written to discourage people from seeking transformation in any way other than Christ. It's not saying agree with the government. It's written to, you know, it's saying put your stock in the kingdom of God. It's not saying, oh, yay, the government's great. It's saying Jesus is far greater. We put all our eggs in one basket. We don't smash the eggs in uh, the other basket. And we all have our job to do. He says the government has its job to do. And um, God's job is to take down ungodly rulers like Pharaoh in the Exodus story. Like, your job is as a citizen. And we see this principle kind of all throughout the Bible um, that we want to read our own verses. We want to read our own verses. And very often, you know, you'll hear, you know, parents say, children, obey your parents as is fitting into the Lord, the, the, the child verses in the Bible. Well, that's a child verse. You know, they are parent verses that, you know, uh, and uh, the kids could walk around saying the, the parent verses like, parents, do not provoke your children to wrath, Are they, right? We, we don't need the husbands quoting the wife verses or the wives quoting the husband verses. Same thing here. There are plenty of passages that if you are a government leader, read it and tremble. Uh, but if you are a citizen... Read Romans 13 and submit. God will deal with leaders. Leaders are held to a high standard. The government is held to a standard. Citizens are also held to uh, our standard. And you know, guys, a little submission is actually good for our souls. A little submission is good for our souls. I may think that the speed limit through Woodville is restrictively slow. I have to shift my car into second gear to drive through Woodville on my way here, but I am not responsible. I'm not the EMS. If anything happens as we go around that turn, whatever, you know, some of you know that part of Hopkinton, I'm not responsible for dealing with the consequences. I'm a citizen, so I shift my car into second gear and try and drive slow enough to get through that area of town. I think about um, uh, when we still had the mask mandates, um, so maybe six months ago, whatever. Um, I, I said, you know, I would really like to start going back to the gym because I realized that the heavy weights I was using at home, I was like, oh, these are great for me. And then I looked and saw that my soup can was like 18 ounces. I was like, oh, I got to do something about this. So head back to the gym, but they are still requiring a mask the whole time. And it gets a little high. And a little, so, you know, I was, I was tweaking some things, making my own adjustments. And at one point in time, the 16-year-old worker at the gym came and said, excuse me, ma'am, you need to pull your mask up. Now, no one was around me. And, you know, I'm a little embarrassed because I do not like getting corrected, reprimanded, told I am doing the wrong thing. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, pull up. And then I just felt, I felt 
convicted because I, I entered the establishment knowing full well what the sign said. So uh, on my way out, I went and I, I said to the worker who was literally half my age, I said, hey, I'm sorry. Thank you for doing your job. That's your responsibility. I appreciate it. Good job. I respect you for that. Because the truth is, I do. I respect him for doing his job well as an employee. And I want to humble myself, submit to the rules, um, and even submit to the 16-year-old gym worker when I am not following the rules. And I'm glad that uh, the mask mandate is over when I try and run on a treadmill. But tying this in here to the bigger lessons of this chapter, um, there may be much that we agree on in, in many political movements and, and things like this, but if you are married to the spirit of this age, you will be a widow in the next. Bottom line, changing the government may be you know, a very good cause, but it's a cause, it's not Christ. It's a cause, it's not Christ. And Christ is what transforms us. Christ is what does the hard work. Um, as they say, the dividing line between good and evil runs right through the middle of me. Christ is what does the hard work of transforming, redeeming my past pain, hurt, sin, and shame. Christ is who does the hard work of reconciling people who were once enemies together in Christ. You know, sin doesn't change how much God loves us. Sin changes our ability to receive God's love. So when we receive God's love, we are changed. We are transformed. And we want to fight for love. We want to contend for love. And love starts in me, not, not in someone else. If I'm in a relationship that, like, is a little less love, building up love starts in me, not in the other party. I was uh, talking to my spiritual director uh, as we close here. My spiritual director is a little bit like a Christian therapist, a little bit helps you see what God's doing. We're talking about my stress response. So my stress response, for those of you who want to know all the details of my session, um, is uh, when I get stressed, I really get like nose to the grindstone and like go away and let me work. And it's a very like closed, constricted response of like, let's just get things done. Um, I really would like to have a more open, loving, soft stress response, welcoming people in. Life is not a solo task. It's a group project. I'd like my stress response to be more of a group project. So we're talking about, okay, how can I change this in me when I get, when I get like that? And uh, so, okay, what actually disrupts this? Well, you know what we discovered? It's a love. Stopping and pause. It's not just me praying like, dear Jesus, help me handle this stress better. It's me stopping and saying, Jesus, I receive your love. Your love that assures me that, yes, life is indeed a group project, not a burden for me to bear. Your love that, that says, I am loved and I am cared for whether these tasks get done or not. It's love that stops that for me. And then we kept talking. Um, and uh, so I want to pray and receive God's love. But also, you know what? I was like, you know, I just need to go and give somebody a hug, not just pray spiritually about it. Me and Jesus, I need to, I need to actually act on it. Get up, do something, right? Actually act in love. It's the best way to receive and live into Jesus's love for me. You know, I have never uh, been motivated to change. I've never truly changed 
by, by threats, fear, shame, all real change that has ever really happened in my life has been because of love, has been because somebody loved me well, has been because I really received Jesus' love. Uh, let's stand together. The worship team is going to come on up. As we end, friends, Jesus loves you, and that is transformational. In our community, as individuals, Jesus' love changes us because his love isn't this um, like la-la thing. His love sees you at your worst and loves you completely. His love sees you when you are, are the most withholding and withdrawn, when you're the most negative and critical and loves you completely. And that's where we see transformation is when we receive Jesus' love in all the parts of our life. Let's pray together and then we'll worship. Jesus, this morning, we thank you for who you are and what you have done for us. Thank you that you do not just command that we be humble. Thank you that you have given us an example in Jesus Christ. Thank you that you do not just command that we love one another. Thank you that you love us deeply right here and right now. We open our hearts to your transformational work, Jesus. Um, and we say we, we're not going to put our stock or our investment in, in other things, good as they may be. We want to utilize those things, but we really look to you. Look to you uh, for change, deep change that only you can bring, Jesus. We believe in you. We ask you for more. Uh, we, we want to invest in this church community as a place of transformation and change. Lord God. We say yes to you, Holy Spirit, yes to the work that you want to do in us, in Jesus' name. Amen.
never gonna let me down. 